Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm very excited. We have another Danny on the show, Danny Roberts from the real world New Orleans, now the real world homecoming New Orleans. Danny, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Danny. I love Danny. talking to other Dannys. There aren't, there aren't many of us. I know. We're a dying breed. Danny, I'm nervous. You And I know you must, this must be exhausting. And you've been doing the press tour for real world New Orleans. And I'm, I, bet it's both overwhelming and exhausting because what do you say to people of my generation who keep telling you what an important gay man representation you were for us? I mean, is it, are you able to even really grasp it? I was, I think, 13 or 14 when your season of The Real World came out. And so I wasn't even out of the closet, but I knew watching you that I was gay. So, Danny, I will tell you what is actually exhausting in my life is being a single parent and all of the other mundane things that life asks of us. <laughs> so, uh, actually, everything that is the outcome of, of this real world experience, uh, I have to say, has been incredibly positive um, and has actually brought life in, into me right now. Um, feeling very grateful and very appreciative. Um, you reminded me of something that still blows my mind. And it's the fact that most people watching this show back then, or at least it now feels like we're actually 12, 13, 14 years old. Right. Uh, I always, you know, my whole life over the past 22 years, I've made this assumption that the majority of people watching were actually, you know, probably in their twenties, thirties. I don't think, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I think that age probably did watch it. But for me, I mean, it was I, going back to me saying, like, I knew that I was gay, but I, I didn't have the words or the language or the ability to put it all together. But I think watching something like the real world, even the other iterations of the real world, I think it was the only place really you could see gay people on TV back in 2000. Yes, there was Will and Grace and Ellen had sort of come and gone around that time with her sitcom. But there wasn't a whole ton of representation on screen. No, it was a very interesting in between, uh, as I've heard someone else describe it, where there was some there was some some visibility out there. Um, people who lived in you know a handful of major cities uh, were were able to live an out life and, and see examples of that around them to some degree. But for most of us living in wherever USA or in the world that we live, uh, there wasn't much. No, um, you know, Will and Grace was definitely out and it was cutting edge, but it was also one dimensional characters. Um, and, so and honestly, like, I think that's what struck so many people from this show is because by the way, I am not the first person to be out on this show, even by far, uh, several other people ahead before me on, uh, earlier seasons, but 
there was, yeah, there was something about this season. It was the right time. It was a younger generation for, for whatever reason was clearly watching. Uh, and it, and it did paint a, a picture of a life that could be possible, I think, for a lot of kids. This must be so weird to come back to it because now there is social media. So at the time, I imagine the pressure must have been intense to be this sort of perfect gay man that you represented to so many of us. But now that there's social media, you have an instant reaction with these episodes and everything. Are you, is that a weird shift for you? Uh, I mean, yes. Social media is a weird shift for all of us in our lives in this entire world period. Um, for, for better or worse, social media has changed the world. Uh, maybe for, for more of the worse, I don't know. Um, but you know, yes, back then, the show existed in a bubble. Um, it happened, but we had no really very few real channels to interact with viewers or the public in any way. And much of what we gleaned of, you know, as, as feedback to our experience at that time actually came through literal handwritten letters from fans that were eventually passed on to us through MTV. Um, otherwise we had really very little sense of how people were reacting, at least in real time. Um, and now, yes, this is very, this is a very different experience. Now, I mean, all of us were very hesitant to go back and do it. And one of the reasons is this is there of social media and immediate reactions and emotional reactions from people too. Um, that there's a, a lot more vulnerability that comes with this level of exposure. Uh, what's going on with Julie, Danny? What's happening there? There's a lot happening uh, there, you, actually. You it's a lot. Right in, for, <laughs> right in for the dirt. Danny, I don't understand. I just watched episode four. <laughs> so I don't understand all of it, really. And I've always been fascinated by that woman because even outside of the real world, it's weird. I just moved and I found all these VHS tapes that I had. And I had recorded a show on Bravo called The Battle of the Reality Stars or Battle of the Network Stars. And she was on it with Melissa. And I remember Julie popped up in like a lot of reality shows around that era. Like she would, you know, she made the rounds. And she was always like a fascinating person. And now watching this series, I wondered how much of what she's doing is to be a good reality star and how much of it is real. And we did see that one scene of her on the hot tub talking to the husband and saying, I'm the only one making a good show. And so from your perspective, like was, was it mostly authentic or was she mostly trying to make a good show? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you're going, what WTF, uh, you know, by the way, I haven't seen episode four yet. So, you know, more than me. Um, I think what's super interesting about this show that that's happening now, um, I give credit to Melissa for pointing this out, but the interesting, which Melissa has been on your show previously, yeah. not that long ago. Yes. Really? Melissa really helped me see this. It's what's really interesting about this edit is the fact that the, the meta is out in the open. Um, and want to talk, you know, when you think about in terms of just our current era and our real life reality right now, we're all living. Isn't this such a rabbit hole? Uh, and, and a metaphor for the bigger picture that we're all in now, what is real anymore? Who is real? Um, this is, you know, 
I, I have to say, even as uh, ha- having been there during the filming, watching and seeing the deeper layers of the manipulation going on there is even uh, shocking to me. Um, there were things I was aware of. I knew there was uh, some sort of level of there's some deep I just think there's deep pathology in that sort of behavior. Um, and I think that is a lesson for all of us in this life. You know, whether we're talking about reality television, social media, or just our day-to-day existence and how we present ourselves to the world and the perceptions that we want uh, others to see. Uh, you know, I, I think the bigger picture is, is that many people are absolutely losing touch with the boundaries. Um, and, you know, what one does carries over into the other. Um, I think a lot of especially young people are are maybe not so aware of that with julie i just don't i don't know it's the which comes first the chicken or the egg and listen i'm not here to trash julie uh no, i'll do that danny uh, you you can do that uh <laughs> you know, do, I, do i trust her no but do i want to drag her name through the dirt forever no but you know i i do think there's a bigger lesson here and it's that uh you know again some of us ha- are losing touch with the boundaries there. Right. But at the same time, I will say with, with, uh, Julie, um, I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, <clears throat> you know, yeah. did Julie, it makes you wonder. And you think back was, was Julie like the, br- the brilliant mastermind producing this entire time all the way back 22 years ago. Um, who knows? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know, but it's fascinating to watch. But I think one of the things that we like about the original seasons of the real world, I'd say up until around Vegas is when I think it started to shift and there were more reality shows and people sort of leaned into reality TV personas. Uh, but I think we liked you guys because you were big personalities, but you weren't consciously trying to have a career in TV long-term because I watched like the, the new seasons of the challenge, which was a, a spinoff really of, of the real world. And now they cast a lot of people from like big brother and from other shows on the challenge. Oh, and it's a different kind of reality star than the original seasons of the challenge, which just had people from road rules and real world. And you see people are so conscious of their social media presence and there there's different mechanics at play psychologically that I find so fascinating, but that's why I wanted real world homecoming to just stay this pure, let just throw these big personalities together. And let's, we don't need to make good, we, the good TV will come naturally. So it's like watching Julie kind of trying to manipulate to make good TV is frustrating because I think we want the naturalism. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense? Absolutely. Okay. And listen, I think reality television as we know it now turn it's something it's very different, different yeah. than, than what my our season was part of. Uh, the year that that our show aired was the last year that the uh, it was moving beyond the, the the last year when the real world was the only reality TV show that existed. Yeah. Uh, big uh, Amazing Race started that year, and it completely changed what reality TV is into what we know it now, which is, you know, it is strife, adversity, huge, obnoxious personalities steamrolling each other who can get who can be seen the most and heard the most. Um, I, you know, and, and part of that happened with a change in technology. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 
you know, that's when people started gaining the ability over the internet and, and broad ways over the, the next couple of years to influence the, the narrative beyond just what you saw on the screen. Um, and these shows all were hyper competitive. There was a whole new concept of being competitive. Our, our show, what it had been part of before was documentary reality TV. From there on, it turns into a game show. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's something much deeper going on with Julie than just trying to make good TV though. Um, mm-hmm. it's wor- uh, worry, worrisome behavior. Does she hook uh, up with the other guy? Does she hook up with your other roommate? They keep teasing a clip of like her hooking up. with. Oh, someone. I, I, I don't kiss and tell about oh, okay. Okay. friends, especially adult friends. Wait, so you mentioned technology and I was cracking up cause I was rewatching your original season. It's on Paramount plus and you guys had the, um, robot dog and it like makes me laugh every time you guys are talking to that robot dog because i remember those so well and sometimes you guys are talking to the dog as if it's you know your house pet and i loved it i loved it's it. called sheer boredom uh <laughs> you know at the time tech like that was technologically advanced that robot dog you know it was like a four or five thousand dollar robot dog at the time which could do very little. It had rudimentary AI in it and it was supposed to learn behaviors, but that thing was so silly. God. <laughs> now, um, now, now, you know, like uh, a calculator probably has more computing power than that thing. Totally. Had. Totally. <laughs> it was a different time. Danny. Um, okay. Well, I got to get into the Paul of it all because you and Paul, I never realized until watching this new homecoming series, like what a mind fuck that must've been for you because you were held up on a pedestal as this perfect couple and it represented not only a gay community, also it represented gays in the military, which was an issue that was, was happening around that time. My boyfriend was in the military and I think it's, I think back on what that pressure must've felt like. And just as an onlooker, I didn't, I didn't even put that together until watching this new series. So so what was that mind fuck like back then coming out of the real world and representing this sort of weird ideal that like, shouldn't be a pressure for any young person in their twenties. Sure. And, and Danny, it took me years, many years to figure that, that all of that out myself, um, you know, as a young person, you've going, living through it all highly subconscious behaviors and, and thoughts um, cemented in my young, young mind. And, you know, it wasn't until my, my mid thirties probably that I started to untangle all of what really went on back then. Uh, mm-hmm. and then started to understand like the weight of actually what had been placed on a 22 year old child's shoulders. <laughs> uh, my God, like, you know, at the time when we're all, all of us, when we were, were 22, 23, 24, we think, oh, we were completely grown and we absolutely know what's happening. Uh, you, you don't have a clue. No, no. <laughs> and I didn't. Um, but I, I don't think anyone should get married until their thirties. Like, I don't think, I don't think people yeah, should settle I, down until their thirties. do anything long-term commitment right. until their late twenties at earliest, especially men. That's right. a subject for a different day, Danny. <laughs> well, you mentioned, especially men. And I was also thinking like coming off of that show, you were also a very much a sex symbol for so many young gay people. And 
What yeah, is a sex symbol? Because I feel like this term's being uh, tossed around loosely. I think of myself as a big old nerd, which if you ask any of my longtime friends, that's probably exactly what Danny, you be. running around that house in your boxers, that was important to many of us. Okay, that was very important. You, there was that one scene, I think uh, you were skinny dipping in the hot tub. It was like, that was to my generation. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. You, you in the turtleneck. I mean, not since JC Chazay has anyone worn a turtleneck, uh, much like you from the real world. So I think, let's, let's, yes. and let's also talk about the swings between a turtleneck and running around in your underwear. So, <laughs> you know, thinking back, they did something that was pretty Machiavellian and they, and it, it's all intentional. It's New Orleans. So, you know, if you have a big old house that really doesn't have AC in it, guess what everybody's going to do? Strip their clothes off because it's practical. You're dying of a heat stroke. Uh, you know, what you don't see on camera is everybody laying around in their underwear bitching about how hot it was. <laughs> well, we thank God for that heat wave. Um, I, well, you know what? I At the time, I, I literally was doing it for a survival but, you know, if it helped us all, what was the magazine that we all hunted after back in the day? It was interna- was it International Underwear? Oh, um, International Men, right? Or uh, oh, are, we, like that. are you mixing that up with, with a porn factory? Probably. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, one of probably. those. But you know what I'm talking about? Back in the day, yeah. we, we, you know, our, our little young selves got at, we got our hands on a subscription to this catalog which was full of men in underwear i remember okay this is just because you brought up magazines i have a very specific memory of going to the borders bookstore my mom dropping me off and me getting that magazine i think it was the advocate with you and another real worlder or yeah that's really odd you bring it up how uh that's uh, that is the universe at work i just posted that because it was reminded uh i, I was reminded of it today it's me and norm right on the cover of out and i remember sneaking in the borders like putting the usa today or whatever over it so that i could go read it in the corner because again i knew that i was gay and i was like oh there's danny like i got nothing more mortifying than being seen with a with a gay magazine standing in a store at that time wait so who were your people like i'm keep saying you to me but like who were your people that who were your sexual awakenings or like the people that you watched i was just telling my boyfriend about this the other day because he's too young to really have this he's in his mid-30s so wait so did he watch you on the real he's in his mid-30s the reason we're together because he has no idea about any of it and i love that oh my god Um, so we'll get to that in a second. But I, first off, I, I want to give props to Norm. I feel like that man does not get the props he deserves. I feel like I get a lot of attention for gay America through this show. But the truth is, is Norm was the very first one seriously trailblazing when on a show before anyone even knew what reality TV was as a genre. Right. Um, ironically, he was not the first gay person ever on a reality TV show? That's a fun trivia question for you. If, you, if, any, if any of your viewers want to look it up. Who was the first? Are you talking, wasn't there like a PBS documentary where there's a gay person on? Yes, in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And it was about, it was, I think it was called This American Life. And it was about, mm-hmm. you know, a middle class American suburban white family. And it turned out like their family went to shit afterwards. Uh, the husband ended up being closeted gay man <laughs> I think I, the story did not end pretty. Uh, yeah. that, that should have been like major foreshadowing. <laughs> but, That's when we uh, should have shut Norm, down the whole operation. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, it sounded it, a lot of time passed, but then Norm came along in I think '92 and was the first one to to do the real world and be out on the show. And he gets mad props for okay, that. Okay, but so, so like, don't sidestep my question. Who are your sexual? No, well, to answer your question, okay, okay. Norm is one of them. Okay, I mean, yeah. Norm sort of laid a template for me to see, like, wow, that guy is freaking brave and also. These people are super cool, and I like everyone else, you know, as a young person. That's the only season I ever got to see for some reason, probably because it was aired over and over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, I didn't grow up with cable, so I don't even know how I got to see it, but I thought it was the coolest thing, and Norm was a template for me. Also, Heather B., like... Oh, you know, I love Heather B. Uh, and also... Uh, so, and then another one, Eric Knees, uh, who was not feeling the abs and, and no. the grind and all that. I will admit to one of, one of my later, uh, later realized child teen fantasies was actually getting, was doing a show with Eric many years later and getting to know him. Oh yeah. Uh, you did the challenge with him or something. Was that the challenge? Or what? Right. Yeah. And he was like, he was somebody that I grew up idolizing like many of us on the grind he was so hot. I mean, he's still hot, but uh, yeah, the he was, was like freaking, everything. Yeah, he was Adonis. He was beautiful. Yeah. Wasn't there um, like a secret hookup with, with a straight guy on your season of The Challenge? Am I making that up? We don't talk about that. Okay. Okay. Because yes. Wait, that's like coming to me. and It's somewhere in my head. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know where I remembered that. Wait, yeah, so you can't tell me who that, it was. Was it Eric Nees? Um, listen... I, I have always believed that the majority of the population are, this, of this human species has some bisexual interest in most of us. But Across the, cam- the board, cameras didn't pick it so up. Hung, we, we get too hung up on our definitions. Um, and you know what? That's all we'll say about that. Danny. Okay. So you'll tell me after this, you'll send me a message or something, please. Okay. Um, moving on the Paul thing. Okay. I got to circle back to the Paul thing. So he comes into the new season of homecoming, such an amazing moment because on the original series, his face was obviously blurred out and we get some context in the new series of what the pressure and how you were both just so young that you didn't even really put together how dangerous that was for him. It seems at the time, or both of us, yeah, you know, yeah. neither one of us both had of any true, like we didn't have the toolkit and, and the terminology to comprehend what we were actually going through. And we had no support. Um, I will, I will damn MTV and Bina Murray forever for throwing kids out to the world like that with no support. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's not right. I don't, I don't think that happens as much these days because there are, there are, uh, protections in place for reality stars. But at in the time you were just thrown out into the world and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea what don't ask, don't tell was until I met him. You know, he was in the military at the time. Gays were not allowed military to summarize the story. And it was very dangerous to be in the military. Um, that's the backstory. But, you know, we carried on with a relationship for for several years afterwards, or at least attempted to, and uh, without understanding that that relationship was doomed and forbidden from the start. Yeah. We, you know, uh, we had chosen life paths that mix like oil and water. <laughs> yeah. So when he came into the new series, do you feel like you got closure from getting to sit down to talk to him? And have you kept in touch since? Or was that just like, a, okay, we got that closure. Let's move on. So here's a little thing to understand that uh, you're, you're, this is the first time I've talked about it pu- publicly. And uh, oh, getting the scoop here. 
I feel like your audience is the one that will really appreciate this. I think a lot of people are, were left wondering, like, what the hell? That storyline just didn't make a lot of sense. It just didn't add up. It did. There was something that felt ajar about it, and there was, and it's the fact that our relationship ended 15 years ago, um, and it was an ugly ending, which is unfortunate because it it stole the friendship that we had at one point, um, and it you know, and it, it ended in ugly ways because of so many factors that were outside of us, and we were just too young to understand that. Um, but we had both going on with our lives you know like paul was not a topic in my brain so when we were asked to do the show of course immediately production wanted paul to be part of this and the thing ironically after the conversation you and i just had the thing that i am kind of done with in my life is talking about the paul story and that being part of my shadow it was 15 years ago it's an important topic because it's really about a time in this country where we, we as LGBTQ people had little to no rights. It's an illustration of that. Um, but it's also a story that's long gone. Anyhow, right, right. when we got there, I refused. I still resisted. I didn't want him to come. I didn't want that to be part of the storyline. In fact, I didn't want, I, you know, like most humans naturally if you've ended a relationship yeah, you don't want to see them you do not want them back into your life story <laughs> it's just right. like a natural protection but in this case they insisted and insisted and i finally got to a point about halfway through production that i started fearing that if i didn't agree to it they were going to surprise me with it anyhow we really didn't trust production at all like i i think they've now proven us wrong because they really have start doing an amazing job with the story writing and, and edit. But at the time we did not trust them at all based on our previous experiences. Yeah. So I, I just got this huge fear that if I don't just agree to this and control this narrative, I'm going to wake up one day and Paul's going to be there surprise. And I didn't want that to happen. So I finally agreed to it. And that's why like, it just feels very ajar. It is forced. Mm-hmm. There was conversation to be had, but it really needed to happen just between the two of us privately. Uh, a lot of what we were talking about was super personal and sensitive. That it was kind of the white elephant that, you know, to, for us to actually be forced to meet. We, there was still that white elephant that had to be addressed. And I, I didn't want any of that to be public or, or open. It's, it's ugly. Um, anyhow. That's how it played out. I never texted him. Production handled the whole thing. He, it was the time of COVID. Hello. Like these dumb fake texts. They were fake texts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, come down and see me. Paul lives in Seattle. I'll be there they tomorrow. Had a, yeah, there, you know, there right. had to Paul be a come quarantine. To tested in quarantine, right. Yeah. They had Paul there for days before they even told me. And by the way, the day that it happened, they surprised me that day. Like, oh, Paul's here. Today is the day. Uh, we're, we're clear on COVID tests. So then it, it happened. I ended up, so I, I was annoyed that it was happening, but I actually ended up being thankful for it because it was a nice closure in a way. It was actually nice to see him. We had not seen each other's faces in 15 years. And part of the story that was not told in that, that was cut out, was uh, our last couple of years together, he had cancer. I, I took care of him through cancer. And, uh, he, you know, he went through a really rough period in his life, um, is lucky to still be alive. Um, you know, if you pay close attention, you can see huge scars on his face. Um, wow. 
And so it was, it was a serious heavy thing in both of our lives that we went through and that was completely left out of the story. And that was kind of the end. Uh, We went our separate ways once he recovered clearly. (laughs) Danny, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot to take on. We got to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more from Danny Roberts of the Real World Homecoming New Orleans. You can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Instagram and Twitter. You can get my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? I want to thank ACAST for all episodes of Everything Iconic. You can go to ACAST.com slash Everything Iconic, and we'll be right back. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Listen, I don't know what it is, but this universe just keeps trying to throw me curveballs. Wait, can I throw you a curveball? Can I throw you a curveball right now? Because now I'm going to switch gears here and ask you something that's very important to me. Um, And that's your Dawson's Creek episode. So... (laughs) Let's get to the real topic. This is the real meat because I've I've been reading all these interviews you've been doing and it's like, I want to hear about Dawson's Creek. Like what was Michelle Williams like? What Mm. was the situation? Uh, Did you have aspirations of doing more acting things or, or also like it must've been a mindfuck too, because this was the time where reality people became big stars, but there wasn't really a pipeline yet. Now I think there's sort of a pipeline for people coming out of reality TV and having careers. And I talked to Melissa a little bit about this, but it's like at that time, it wasn't, there wasn't a pipeline. It was like, there were certain new reality shows, like the battle of the reality stars people could do. Uh, but you kind of were so, you were becoming so mainstream. You were magazine covers and Dawson's Creek and stuff. So I don't know. Did I ask um, a question in there? <laughs> yeah, there's a, you're, yeah, you are asking a question and I totally get what you're getting at. So you've touched on this and you just said it, you know, at this time there was, there was, when you did reality television, there was not an expectation that there was chapter two, three, four. There was at, at least in, in my night, mine, like I do this, this is the end of it. I move on with my boyfriend and we have a relationship together, even though he's in the military, like how naive do you need to be to buy into that? Maybe self-preservation, but listen, uh, at the time, there wasn't a pipeline. There was a handful of people like Eric Mies who made a real, like, genuine career out of it. But it, it wasn't a thing. I feel like it's that's probably the thing that's changed the most about reality TV now is everyone approaches it as the pipeline into their that career. Um, I had no aspirations to be in entertainment, media, 
acting, none of that. Like I was uh, uh, horrified of acting. I, I actually took an acting class in, in university to help myself get over the fear of public speaking. And I was horrible at it. Horrible. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm not an actor. I'm not cut from that fabric, but so here's the thing that happened back at that time. So I came off of that show and being sort of this, this gay figure. Now, a lot of people in the industry wanted to push boundaries with that. Um, it sounds so freaking weird to say now, but like there really weren't a lot of out actors, even though half of them are gay, but no one was really out. Cause that's, that was career ending at the time. Um, and even funny enough, Dawson's Creek was one of the first shows to actually have gay character, which was really like cutting edge at the time. Ooh. Yeah, I remember they had like one, it was like one kiss, like very peachy, super taboo kiss. Uh, and it was like, oh, wow, we're, we're all supposed to be so grateful for the one kiss on TV. <laughs> com- completely neutered characters, too, which, uh, by the way, funny tidbit, like, you know, meeting that cast. Uh, the guy who played the gay one struck me as probably being one of the most hetero guys on the cast. Take that for what you will. Aggressive. You can always, <laughs> you can always tell though. I think when they cast straight people in gay roles, it's like you watch them kiss somebody, and I'm not saying 100 percent of the time, but 90 percent of the time, it's like Listen, there's they've and, clearly and never kissed a man. It is the problem with gay porn today. It's all horrible because it's all cast with straight men. This needs to stop. Right. If anyone out there is listening, you work in gay porn, you need to make this. We're taking this on. This is our new stop the straights in gay porn. My next mission in life. (laughs) So anyhow, back to the story at hand, there was a push to take me as a real life out person and make something out of that. So a lot of doors were open, a lot of opportunities thrown my way, like Dawson's Creek, which at the time was a super cool opportunity because it was like one of the most watched shows on TV and every kid in America was watching it. Um, and it turns out the universe at hand at work again, I happened to be living in Wilmington, North Carolina, where, with my, where my boyfriend was stationed and guess where they filmed Dawson's Creek. <laughs> there you go. Boom. It was just like meant to happen. And Michelle was actually my neighbor, which is the crazy part. And I still have one of her pie pans, which is one of my favorite stories. Oh my God. Wait, she's your neighbor now? Currently? No, no, no. At the time, oh, at the time, we, okay. All of this happened and after post real world filming of Dawson's Creek. We were literally neighbors. Oh my god! Yeah, I love that. Wait, so yeah. were there ever any? This might be a strange question, but were are there ever any other close calls when it comes to like TV or movies? Because I'd imagine around that time you were getting strange offers to do random things. I mean, I I think even wasn't someone in a Eminem? Were you in the Eminem video or was? Somebody, Julie in the Eminem video. I can see Julie in an Eminem video for some strange but reason. There Maybe. was like strange things that like would come up. So was there a strange thing that like we almost yes. would have seen you on? I, I think Melissa probably talked to you about this too. So there was a double-edged sword about all of this. Is, you know, so much was being thrown our way, but it was always to be that person from the real world, mm-hmm. never to be anything beyond that. So maybe in a way, you know, the opportunities I had were were extra special and rare because of that. But at the same time, you couldn't move past it. No one, everyone who knew who we were, most people watching Dawson's Creek were probably also watching Real World. You couldn't get past the fact that you knew exactly who that was. Right. So it was both opportunity and and uh, closing doors at the same time. Uh, you know. 
are you, have you always just, just talking to you, you strike me as a very honest person. And also on, on, on the real world though, we got such an honest portrayal of you. And I think that's taking out all the other factors. I think that's what largely I think people probably gravitated to, towards you for. And you almost seem to me the kind of person that you can't help but share your life honestly. And that helps so many people. I often on this show, if I talk about my, my depression or mental health situations or something like that, I'll, I'll hear from people who have similar experiences. And I think that helps me and that helps them because it makes us all feel like we're less alone. But so I suppose my question is, have you always just been someone who is an honest person? Because I, I do think that's sort of rare. Um, that's a great question that I, I don't know if I've ever been posed. I have some thoughts. Um, one, I, I think it is a, a fundamental human need and trait to connect and, and feel interrelated to other humans and to know that others are going through the same things as you. I think growing up where I grew up and how I grew up in a very repressive, small, beautiful, small town in rural Georgia and Southern Baptist evangelical. This is Marjorie Taylor Green country. You know, that was informative. That was formative for me. Um, it, it ground into me a sense of, you know, I don't know where it came from. It just this instinct and drive to want to speak to justice and, and speaking against injustice around me and being as authentic and open as I can be to make that happen. Um, I don't know where it came from. It's not something that was ingrained in me by any particular individual, but um, it, it's something that's never left me. And, and here's, here's the way I look at it now. My guiding post in life is to be always strive to be the person that I needed as the little kid of version of me. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know that simple framework that I operate on is, is where it comes from. I mean, I, I was thinking about this in 2018, you opened up about your HIV status. And I was like thinking, man, after going through the real world experience and really being put on that pedestal that you didn't deserve to be put on in, in, in the pressure way. I mean, um, and then to be so honest and open and to help so many people that need to see representation. It's just like, wow, despite all the pressures that come with opening yourself up, you're still opening yourself up because it's just, you almost can't help it in the best of way. I mean that in the highest of compliments, because it's so incredibly important to have representation in all forms. And, and I don't know, I don't, I don't even have a question. I just, I was thinking about that, like, man, the pressures and everything, it's a lot. Do you feel well, like it's a, is it a lot? I genuinely appreciate it. And that's sweet of you to say, I, you know, maybe out of self-preservation, I don't look at it that way. Yeah. Um, it definitely has impacted my life in clearly meaningful, impactful, long-term ways that I have talked openly about. Speaking of mental health, um, but I, you know, I think in the in the broader arc of my story, I feel like it's just kind of it's been a gift that was handed to me, and I've wanted to make the most of it. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
Uh, Danny, let me think. Do I have any other questions for you? I feel like I've kept you so long here, but it's just, this was a dream come true. I literally wrote, wrote about you in my book. There's a little section about uh, sexual awakenings and you're listed oh, there. <laughs> I am glad you reminded me because it was funny that uh, that came out at, at the same time, one of my friends must have been reading it and sent that to me. Uh, and I think it was like literally within days of when you and I first start, started messaging um, that is probably one of the the like uh, I don't know. In all of these years, one of the things that's made me glow the most. Uh, it's super, without without having read your book, but just knowing that someone put that in print is I don't know like how that's incredibly flattering. Um, you were that also book. knowing the age you were at that time. I think that's what it's really about. Yeah. Well, we used to. I mean, that was the only. Uh, that was the only access we didn't have. Nowadays, I look at kids and it's like they have the internet. They nothing's a secret. This is, I mean, you brought up porn before, so I feel like I am at the liberty to bring this up. But I mentioned those VHS tapes, and it's like I found these VHS tapes, things that I recorded off TV as like it was sort of this is gross, forgive me, but it was like sort of the porn tapes, right? Like it was like right. that. But they were mostly it was like MTV spring break coverage and stuff, <laughs> like because that was the I was I grew up in Ohio. We didn't have. You know, there wasn't a, I didn't have access to like other stuff. So it was like when, when a, a guy from the real world took off their blouse on an MTV spring break coverage, like that was influential to me. Yes. Scandalous. And juicy. And I need to see more of that. Right. And by the way, uh, I am half Ohio myself. My, my dad is from Cleveland. Oh my God. I'm from Cleveland. I'm from Solon, Ohio, oh, right, right outside of Cleveland. Yeah, um, I'm quite familiar. So I am actually a, a Southern mutt halfy. I, I, it's part of, I think, what informed my sensibility growing up was never feeling like I fit in for a m- lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Part of it being half Ohioan yeah, in Georgia. Yeah, I get that. But uh, listen, back to porn before we, we uh, move on. I, there's one thing that I, I, I failed to mention earlier. And you asked me what were, you know, who are my formative figures? Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if you consider this formative, but I was just telling the story to my boyfriend the other day who has no reference. Uh, I think the moment I can say that, like, I knew that there was something there was seeing Lucas Richstone back in the day from Bellamy. <laughs> Which cracks me up. Wow. So I had to yeah. look him up the other night just to see, is this man How's still How's he doing? Alive? He still looks... Wow. Fantastic. I still think about a man named Caden from a site called Active Duty. That was very oh. important to me. I don't know where he is. I don't know how he's doing. If he's listening to this, God bless. This is hilarious. Thank you for I don't your know service. How you and I have talked, ended up talking about <laughs> porn so much, but Active Duty is a fantastic, wholesome website. <laughs> Actually, and that comes around, right? It comes around in the military thing, right? It's a, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, this is hilarious. Uh, Danny, anything else you want to clear up? I mean, I'm, I feel like I could have talked to you forever, but anything else you want to say, let listeners know, catch you up to speed on, I mean, I mentioned you coming out about your HIV status and I think it was so incredible that you talked about it. And I don't even know a question for you, but I just think it is important for that still such a taboo topic that I think we need to talk about, especially looking at sort of where the gay community is at now, although we've come so far since your original season three-year-old, we are seeing that there's still a ways to go. Yeah, it's there's a there's a dichotomy uh, both within and outside of the gay community. Um, you know, many of us who grew up 
with it as a, a death sentence, we're terrified of it, and that's ingrained in our memories forever. Others who maybe grew up in, in a, a different time of, of amazing medicine, by the way, like what a freaking amazing time to be alive. Uh, I have to say I am alive talking to you right now. Thank you, medicine. Um, it's such a weird in-between time, and the reason that I, I was public about it and is because many people feel like it's not an issue anymore and they're informed and they carry on with their life. But just as many people, if not more, are still stuck in the 90s and think that's, you know, some death sentence. It still comes with loads of, of moral baggage um, and all of all of the baggage that comes attached to it from a different era. Mm-hmm. Um, evangelical America, that's one of their key hinges. Um, such a huge part of my personal story and, and part of my journey was overcoming all of that nonsense um, when I was faced with it head on. Um, and, you know, so it's 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 not a, a dead topic. Right. And the thing is, is we need to talk about it. Millions of people on this planet live with it daily. But the mm-hmm. thing that needs to be understood is medicine has come such a long way. And uh, if, if you are aware and you take care of yourself and you stick to your treatment, you cannot transmit the virus anymore. And that's what the majority of the population doesn't understand. When it comes to the gay community, we'll quickly touch on this, but there's a a deep streak of uh, perfection, perfectionism that's expected in the gay community and it's toxic. And anyone who is HIV positive, well, guess what is a huge stain against perfectionism. Um, and that's held in deeply against many uh, in many wrong ways. And it's something that I think a lot in this community need to snap out of. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'll get, I'll step down off of that soapbox. No, I, Danny, I love you. Um, okay. Wait, I told you I was going to let you go, but I got to mention the Beyonce of it all. Of course, uh, you've been asked about this a million times, but you were with, there's a whole photo spread you did. I think it was for the New Yorker or something with Beyonce. And this was, she was still Beyonce, but this was before like big. Be- okay. Wait, you're getting something. What are we getting? Okay. Danny stepped away from the screen. Just So I had totally forgotten what the publication was years ago. I'll never forget the day on the photo shoot. Cause it's probably the most magical thing I've ever been through, but, I, but I had long lost my own copy of it. Stalkers long story. And uh, I had forgotten even what, what it was. And I started to think, maybe it was The New Yorker. It turns out it was Interview Magazine. <sighs> and God. I just threw some, some fans. You got th- somebody, did somebody send that to you? Freaking librarian got together a, a hive mind on the internet. And they, and they did the research and they tracked it down and they found it. God bless librarians. I just got the copy today. I literally just pulled it out of the plastic and there you go. Oh my Uh, God. How how wild. Wait, so So this is amazing photo shoot. It was at the time up and rising stars in different genres. Beyonce was there as the singer. Um, and you got to frame the pictures of she, you. She was so freaking sweet and gorgeous at the time. I thought she was this 30 year old, amazing woman. She was fucking 18 years old at the oh time. My God. And there you go. Oh my God, Danny, you have to frame this. Um, I'm going to, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I could see you guys. Um, Aww. 
I well, love it. It was such a freaking cool day. And the thing was, was Annie Leibovitz was the photographer. Like, that was the other How fucking wild. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Um, it's crazy. Do you have a favorite Beyonce song? I have to say, the funny thing is, is I, I'm not like a huge pop, uh, pop fan. Uh, but, you know, I'm the first person that will enjoy it if it comes on the radio. So I don't, it's terrible. I don't know the titles. That's okay. I was going to ask you, I ask all of my guests their favorite Mariah Carey song, but that might be hard if you don't know the titles. Uh, Mariah Carey is easier for me because that was high school when mm-hmm. there was just so little to choose from. Um, and, and Mariah Carey's always stood out to me because my dad had a thing for Mariah Carey, <laughs> which I will never forget. It was like, for him. I was like, my dad's a little bit pervy, but Mariah's freaking hot. I get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I, love uh, that. I don't know. There, Mariah Carey, I guess, was probably for my generation. She was the Beyonce at the yeah. time. And this, there's two. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say I have a favorite. Okay. Um, I also can't say I, I like hang around and listen to to old Mariah. How dare long. you, Danny? That's a wrap on this interview. You can um, you can take my gay card back. <laughs> God damn it! I li- listen. I listen to nothing but Scandinavian pop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're dating someone right now? Yes. Okay. Uh, he's a. He, this is a fantastic, amazing. Again, the hand of the universe. Uh, when COVID hit, I lived in in Manhattan. I packed up my bag, thought I was leaving for a few weeks. I mean, it was ugly when it hit the city. And, you know, ironically, I thought it would pass in a few weeks. Well, I ended up living there for a couple of years full time in my cabin. In and, Vermont? You said? Yeah. 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 I, I, I already had a cabin. I love Vermont. I, I love going to Vermont. Um, but it was just a weekend getaway at the time. But I ended up living there for two years. And right down the road, I met a farmer on scruff of all places. And uh, yeah, we, we have hit it off. He's a farmer when in Rome, right? I like that. So are you staying in Vermont then you're staying in Vermont? Yeah. I live full time in Vermont now. I, I love the, I love everything about it. It's a freaking gorgeous. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called cozy. Now cozy is fantastic. A North American company that, thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Will you be okay after this real world homecoming's done now? I think how many episodes do we have? Is it six or something? There are eight total. Eight total. Oh, good. We're um, on the, we, we just saw the third one move into the fourth one. So tomorrow. Julie will hook up with one of the cast members. And, um, but nobody's <laughs> hooking up on this that I know of. Uh, There's a kiss. They of. keep showing the kiss. Um, she's completely unhinged. Do you know anything about when she tried to kill Veronica on the challenge? I, I been- do. And listen, based on what I knew about my own experience with her and seeing that I knew there was some sort of dangerous behavior that goes on there where again, there's a, there's a blurred line between reality and not reality. Um, but the things that we all do in our, in our digital created worlds has real life impact. Yeah. Sometimes your life, maybe. I was wanting producers to Skype in Veronica because I needed to get to the bottom of that situation. Like I know that you know, wasn't part of your season. Going, I told you all. I told you. Uh, yeah, I mean, there. It's not a pretty picture. Um, yeah. Again, I don't wish anyone anything negative. I, I, being doing this experience is a lot. I think it leaves an imprint of trauma on, on everyone in some way or another. It's not not very natural. So I don't wish badly on anyone, but I also hope that, you know, sometimes we need a mirror held up to ourselves, hopefully. So my question, though, will will this be the end of you in the public eye? Are we going to get to see you again somehow, some way, somewhere? Because I don't think we want to say goodbye to you yet. Listen. I am. I am old. I have a child. I have. You are not old. Shut up. World responsibilities. I. I doubt it. I don't think so. <laughs> you know what? But who knows? If you had asked me a year ago, would it, all this be happening? I would tell you were smoking crack. Yeah. Okay, Danny. I'm letting you go because I kept you way longer. Your PR is going to be. I didn't mind it at all. It was a lot of okay. fun. Okay. Um, where can people find you on social media or or also you and you and um and Melissa and you guys are doing some program right? Uh, yes. On Thursdays after each episode airs, this is a, a limited six series, uh, series that we're doing. We've already done the first one. Uh, Kelly, uh, Melissa and I are on brightlive.com. You can, if you go to my Instagram, here's all the social promotion. <laughs> um, you can uh, find me at J Danny Roberts and, uh, we're, we're all posting links. And, uh, it is really, it's an opportunity. It's the only, you know, it's the only chance we've ever gotten to this whole thing to actually interact one-on-one with people, uh, in, in a broad way, we've either technology didn't exist in the past or, uh, well, that was pretty much it. Technology did yeah. not exist yeah. in the past. This is it. So this, we we're doing this as a fun way to, to actually interact one-on-one with the crowd. And Kelly is a, is an actual, uh, coach. And incredibly tuned in, empathetic human being. I think she brings something special to it. So, and also like very stunning. I just have to say, like Kelly is just like stunningly attractive. And And I know she's stunning, and she's an amazing freaking human being. She seems so nice. Like I, I, she seems like a good human. I don't know, the best human. And listen, uh, everyone needs a Kelly in their life. You you need a bright light in your life, Mm -hmm. and because it it didn't. when we have these bright lives 
in our lives, it, it inspires you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Right. Um, so what these sessions are about is, is an opportunity. You know, we're talking about topics and, and themes from the show, but it's really an opportunity for people to, to relate that to their own life experiences. And I think it's kind of therapeutic for a lot of people. It's also a lot of fun. Melissa's freaking hilarious. I don't know. want Melissa to ever get off my TV either. Like that yeah, upsets me. If anybody me. needs a second life from this, it's Melissa. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll talk to those two. Up. You'll talk to those two now after this series wraps, right? Like you'll keep in touch and you probably won't keep in touch with the others, right? Um, I, I don't know. I actually think in a lot of ways we will maybe not regular too regularly, but I think to some degree we all will. I think we all have a trauma bond from this. That's now very clear. And uh, this was a kind of a gift to reconnect. Um, and, uh, by the way, the only place you can find me is sexy, sexy LinkedIn, uh, in my, in my regular day life, I like to say in my, in my, my day job, I'm a talent scout slash, uh, career coach. And I, I actually do work in tech, uh, but not solely tech. And by night, I, I like to say I am a, a love advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, Danny, uh, speaking of love, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on the show and thank you for opening your life for, for us. Everyone could catch the real world homecoming on Paramount Plus. It's fantastic. I always tell people, even if you don't want to spend the money, like just do the free trial and watch it because it's like a legitimately great series. It's, it's fantastically done. The other seasons are great too, but. I think so many of us love to see you you all from the New Orleans season. So thank you for being my sexual awakening. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I thank you for everything, Danny. Thank you, Danny. It's been an honor.